So I started uh, The One School, which is the first online portfolio program for black creatives. The mission is to create an alternate pipeline for black creatives to get into the advertising industry, one that doesn't take two years or cost $40,000 uh, like some of the traditional, more established schools. We had our second graduation last night, and to date we've graduated 84 creatives and 80% uh, of them have been hired. So we're very proud of that. I also started a work from homeware brand called Corp Leisure, uh, which was inspired by spending the last 12 months in basically sweatpants and t-shirts um, and listening to the slightly strange way that we talk uh, when we work. That's Oriel Davis-Lyons, one school founder, work from home fashion innovator, creative director at Spotify, and former creative director at Droga5. And I'm Mark Hartsman, creative director, copywriter, author, and right now, your host of Besides Ads, a podcast about the creative things people in advertising do outside of advertising, like Oriel Davis-Lyons. Hi, Oriel. It's good to have you here. Thanks for joining the podcast. Thanks for having me. So before we get into what you've been doing besides ads, let's talk about your work before ads. So you were you were a chef, right? This was something I didn't know about you before, but uh, you were a chef before advertising. What made you jump into this business? Well, I hated being a chef, um, to be honest. Uh, I think I started it because I I hadn't really done very well at school or college um and you didn't really need any qualifications to wash dishes so that's where i started and kind of worked my way up to making sandwiches and then you know frying fries um and then eventually i thought actually you know i could turn this into a career and i got serious about it uh and at the time i was in new zealand and i kind of made it a mission to work at the best restaurant in the country and learn as much as i could and when i got there I realized uh, I didn't want to do it. So I kind of had a little bit of a moment to kind of consider what's next. And I started working at a company where uh, we sold food to the to restaurants. So I was still kind of in the industry, but one of my jobs was writing the uh, newsletters for the clients. And I was writing them and the owner of the company said, oh, you, you can actually write, like you, you're pretty good at this. You should, um, you know, go back to college and do something with it. Um, so that's what I did. I went back originally to study journalism. I thought I wanted to be an investigative journalist. And then as I was doing that, I took a paper in advertising really just to fill out my schedule. Uh, and I realized when once I started that, I was like, oh, this is the thing. This is what I want to do because there is like an element of creativity and looseness in it that I couldn't really get in journalism, you know, it can't, I'm not like the best, uh, you know, grammatically or anything like that. So advertising and copywriting kind of allowed for some of that. And I switched and I focused all my energy on on getting into advertising. So um, yeah, it was, uh, it, it was a bit of a long way round um, to get in there. I was doing an evening course, like evening portfolio course while I was studying during the day. Um, after about 12 weeks of this course, I had a very rough basic portfolio but it was enough to find a placement and really once you're in you're in and it's really just about you, know, you work your ass off to stay there <laughs> exactly 
Yeah, and that, that's always the case from day one on, isn't it? Well, as you mentioned in your intro, you're teaching now. So you went back to, you know, went to school after the chef uh, excursion. We're able to put the portfolio together, like you said, and now you're teaching others to do the same. So let's talk about the one school. Was this something that that you had pitched on your own? Did the one club approach you with the idea? How did the whole thing come about? It really came about last year in the summer of, of 2020. I felt like the world was kind of exploding a little bit. And I had been out, you know, marching with all the Black Lives Matter protests and things like that. And there came a point where it's like, okay, I have to go back to work. You know, I can't be taking weeks off to, to you know, protest as much as I want to. Um, but I didn't want to leave that feeling of like activism, you know, and go back to like corporate America and kind of forget it was happening. So uh, I, I had thought about a, pro- a, a program in that style before, you know, I kind of looked around the industry after a few years of being here and thought, actually, like, there isn't anything that exists. There's no other alternative, really, to some of these portfolio schools, which are great. And the quality of the students is great. But, you know, they do take uh, a commitment of time, like two years, and it costs a lot of money. And that immediately kind of shuts out uh, a part of you know the population and particularly black creatives who just may not have those resources right they have the talent but they don't have the resources so for me i felt like that was something i could address um that could be like my fight almost in in the industry and um I, it started really with a post on linkedin um i was sitting down kind of one evening and just trying to put into words what i wanted to do to help and I essentially put out this post where I talked about the way that I got into the, indus- um, the industry, you know, and I offered to help other people do the same, you know, and I didn't really have any structure planned beyond that, but it got a lot of traction. I had about 300 people reach out wow. and say, um, can you help me? And I was like, this is more than I, I anticipated. Right. I, you know, uh, I didn't know how I was going to help at that time. Uh, but we started, I just started doing like, Zoom sessions. I was like, okay, let me put everyone on a Zoom. Let's go through some of the fundamentals, right? Of like how to present work, um, what a good portfolio should look like, you know, having seen a whole whole bunch throughout my career. So we did a a few of those and they were really nice. They were kind of, they were very organic, right? It was just people showing up. It was, they got to ask questions. It was uh, me. I brought on some people that I knew who could talk to, talk to the people, you know, in attendance and, it was very, yeah, it was very much just like, let's figure this out as we go. Um, after a couple of those, the one club reached out. They'd seen the, the post on LinkedIn and they reached out and, and said, hey, we want to, you know, partner with you on this and we, we can give you the, the infrastructure to make this thing like real, you know. And for me, I was like, okay, that's that's great. Like, I, I don't know like what it's going to look like. I've never really been a teacher before, but... Let's do it. So we had a conversation, uh, I think, in July last year, and really, like two weeks later, we had uh, a website, you know, up, and we were accepting applications. And from there, it's just really, you know, it, it, the, the momentum has kind of just grown and grown and grown, and the industry really came out in support. But yeah, it, it started, um, you know, very in a, in a very kind of small contained way with, with a post on LinkedIn. Yeah, that that's amazing. In fact, I, you know, I do remember seeing you posting about that last summer. It's great too. I mean, I love the fact that you said you were you were out 
doing the protest. I mean, that was going on, you know, like you said, for, you know, months, right across the whole country it was amazing. But what you're doing now, I, you know, I love the fact that you said, I still want to be able to help, even though I got to go back to work. But what you're doing now is really, ha- I'm sure is going to have such a, an amazing long-term effect because you're, you're, you know, you're, you're planting seeds, you're working at the roots to get people to have the access and the, the ability to get the training that they need from professionals like yourself. And then from there, they can learn and they can grow on their own as opposed to, you know, how else are they supposed to do that, right? So this this gives them a long road forward. Yeah, I think that's the plan is, you know, once I eventually leave the industry, right, there are like dozens of graduates, people who, who will have been in the industry for years and they can continue. And it's about really creating a strong network and community of black creators because that's often the thing that you you don't have right when you are a black creative in the industry um you're usually one of one or one of two um wherever you go and you may know other people you know uh at other agencies or you know in-house whatever but there's a big disconnect you don't have that sense of uh you know uh connection and and like a kind of a fraternity or an alumni that you can just tap into i think that's one of the most um rewarding things i've seen over the last year is that even though we're only two classes in you already get that sense of the school as being at the heart of something new and a way to connect people who've been in the industry for a long time you know who are coming in as teachers or helping lead the school and also a new generation of creatives who are kind of going into the industry and they're all connected now by the school. And we say, like we said at graduation last night a lot that it feels more like family, you know, and these students will go through their careers together and always have this connection, you know? So that's right. Um, yeah. That's, that is the hope that they can then start basically planting seeds as well. And, and it can kind of go on and be sustainable long after I've, left the industry. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I'm sure they'll be giving back and trying to do the same things for people that you're doing. So that just continues to grow the network. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what are the classes like? So you have, it's all through Zoom, right? And then how many people are in a class and, and give us a little sense of like the structure of one of the classes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's all online. And I think you know, yeah, last year when we started, that was the only thing we could do, right? Um, everything was online, even Harvard was online. So it felt like, well, we're not really missing out. You know, we're, we're not at, at a disadvantage. And I, I actually think um, now a year in, it's been a, one of the biggest advantages we have is that um, we can we can be more accessible because we you don't have to up and move to, you know, Connecticut or something to like be part of the school, you know? Um, so we have people dialing in from uh, all over, and the structure is we have two nights a week, starting at six pm on Tuesday and six pm on Thursday, uh, for sixteen weeks. We have fifteen students in each class, and we we kept it small because it's quite an intensive uh, experience. You know, I personally will sit and go through every student's work and will do big feedback sessions, you know, that can sometimes run for like three and a half hours. Um, So it's, it is quite an intensive experience and 15, it's like this manageable number where they get to see, they get to meet enough other creatives and see enough other work that it can kind of inspire them. And um, we have some really good discussions, but it doesn't get so big that, you know, people 
um, get lost and you know fall through the cracks. So we have uh, four programs actually running, one based out of New York, which I teach, uh, one in LA and one in Chicago and one in Atlanta. So we have 15 students in each um, and they will follow a similar structure, but we allow each teacher to kind of you know, put their own spin on the uh, on the course. But every week they get a new brief and then and the next week they have to bring their ideas back and, you know, they get another brief and so on for like 16 weeks. So it's, it's quite an intensive program, you know, that requires a lot of commitment from them, you know, because most of them are actually, they're working during the day or they're studying, you know, something else uh, during the day. So it's really a test of their own commitment and how much they want to get into it. But the, the, yeah, the, the structure, the, the Tuesday evening lessons, are, we have great guest speakers coming in and, you know, with a focus on particularly on black, like senior creatives, um, because we want to show, you know, the students like, okay, here is a career path you can follow. Here's someone who you can look at and say, that's me in 15 or 10 years, you know, and that's a really big part of the school is, is for them being able to see themselves you know, represented at like various levels of the industry. So that's a really big focus um, for us. Uh, and then Thursday nights are the other kind of work review nights. And that's where we sit down and I give like notes and feedback on, on all their work. But we, yeah, it, the vibe is, is really unique. You know, I think I was worried that being on Zoom might, you know, might stop us getting close, right? But actually, I feel like it's been the opposite. I feel like by the end of the program, you often find the students, are, you know, the first week that they don't have class, I get all these messages saying, oh, we missed class, you know, can we catch up or can we just hang out on Zoom this week? Because they they actually miss it, which is um, is really nice. That's great. Well, it's, you know, clearly you guys are spending a lot of time together, which is great. And I think, I think, like you said, 15 people in the class is, sounds like a really good number where it's it's small enough that they can really get to know each other and like you said they're they're seeing each other's work inspiring each other and i'm sure you know competing against each other to some degree right they want to you know i'm sure each one of them wants to to yeah. be the you know the top of the class right yeah i mean and, and we do at the end of the the program we do have you know a top student and we have a couple of honor students just to recognize those people who really kind of go above and beyond you know and they really put the work in um, so there's there is that element of competition, but it feels more like um, community and people are so when you when we announce the top student, right? Like the rest of the class is just kind of hollering, you know, in the background, and they they see it as like a team win, you know. I think, and that's um, I think that's what's really nice about it is that I, there isn't that sense of like, you know, your success takes away from mine. I feel like they all actually just feel proud to um, support each other. So I think, you know, hopefully they keep that going and that that kind of brings, I think, maybe something new to the industry where we usually, you know, we, we are put into competition, whether for pitches or awards or whatever. Um, we are encouraged to compete. So hopefully they're coming into the industry with a slight different take on, uh, you know, on community. Yeah. Well, like you said, a bit of a family feeling is, a, is definitely a good thing. I always felt the the best jobs I've had are where the group felt more like a family. Um, it, it does make a big difference. Yeah, sure. Now you mentioned some people are working during the day, others are studying. Do you have a mix of 
of kids who are in you know in college for something else at the time and then thought oh let me check this out maybe i didn't realize i could be doing this this sounds interesting do you have people like you said just doing completely different jobs or are some people also already in the industry but thinking like here's a chance for me to to improve my craft yeah it's we kind of have all three actually and like um some of my favorite stories i guess uh are the students who you know they come in and they've been trying to get into the industry for years right um but we had a student yesterday and he was talking about his experience he works in it like in computer science and he was like you know i've been trying to be a creative for years but when i looked at portfolio school i just i couldn't you know afford it i couldn't take two years off work like he's got bills to pay so he's kind of you know how does someone like that put a book together so for him it was a real chance to kind of find the career i guess that he always felt like he he wanted and felt like he was more appropriate for so we have people who who are making real kind of handbrake turns you know that they're they're coming out of very different industries you know they might be might be a couple years in and really kind of rethinking um we also have people who are in the industry but in different roles right so some people who may be working in strategy or account management and they look over at the creatives and they're like that's actually where I want to be. But again, it's like, well, what do you do if you're like four years into your career, you've got rent to pay, you've got, you know, student loans to pay off. Like you can't just kind of be like, you know what, I'm going to go back to portfolio school full time for two years. So for those people, there really wasn't much else. You know, once you're in, in a different role, it's quite hard to transition. So for them, it's, it's been a real, you know, lifeline, I guess, and a chance for them to kind of get into the the role that they really f- feel like they were made for. We also have people who are, have been doing creative, a lot of creative things anyway, right? They've been poets or photographers or choreographers or editors, um, but they, ha- they didn't really know that actually being a creative in advertising was a career and that you can, you can get to do all those things as part of your job and, you know, end up being paid well for it. Um, that's a, a big gap that you find with a lot of uh, creatives in the black communities that they just don't know that advertising exists as a viable career because they just don't know anyone in it and who's done it. So, yeah, we have people, I think that's what's really nice about the students in the classes is people really do come from all over and all walks of life, you know, for very different reasons. Um, And we kind of bring them together. And as long as they've got that commitment to learn and to show up and put the work in, we we kind of promise or at least do our best uh, to turn them into creatives. That's a great opportunity that you're giving people. I think it's really, really wonderful. It's just, it's amazing. And, you know, there's so much, I mean, this past year, there's been so much talk about, you know, increasing diversity at agencies everywhere, right? That's That's been a huge topic. And what you're doing is is the way to do it. I mean, this is the right way. Everything you said about obviously giving people the opportunity, teaching them, um, giving them a, a, a chance that they didn't have before because of all those different reasons you mentioned, and then growing that network and family, like you said, the community aspect of it over the years, that will make a huge difference. I hope so. Yeah. So you mentioned that you mentioned last night was your your second graduation from the second class. Do you want to talk a little bit about what that event was like and and the, the reaction people had? Yeah. Um, so yes, yeah, the second one we've done. It's uh, it's funny because we did the first one back in February, and that feels like a very long time ago now. But it, yeah, it's the second time we've graduated a class. Uh, 
obviously it's an all virtual event, which I actually think now is kind of fun, right? Um, again, I think previously I was worried that, oh, is it going to feel like less than another graduation? But actually, um, I think there's a certain like informality that is really nice, you know, like you have to allow for a little delay because we're having to share a screen, but actually there's something nice about that. But uh, yeah, we, we invite the industry, we invite all the people who helped kind of make the school possible. So all the sponsors and the mentors and the lecturers, and they come in and they watch and um, we go through and we do virtual certificates, uh, you know, for all the students. And then we're going to send them out real copies as well. Uh, and then we announce the top um, top students of each school. But it's, a, it's actually really nice because it's just a chance for us all to come together, you know, and like all four schools. So we end up with like 60 students all on the call and supporting each other. And we end up with all the kind of people who make the school possible. So it's a really nice celebration. And actually one of the nicest parts of it is after we've done the, the public facing graduation, we, we jump into a, a, the after party, um, which is just another <laughs> Zoom. Um, but, <laughs> but we have some really great conversations, you know, you hear from the students, they talk about their experience and like what it's meant to them and, and like where they were when they applied and you get to hear all these stories. Uh, and it's, it's really, it's quite emotional. Like there's, there's a few tears, you know, from the students, from the, the teachers, you know, because I don't know, you just feel like we would have missed out on, on all this yeah. talent, you know? Um, and that's, and and I'm so glad that we didn't, you know, that I just look out and I, I grab these screenshots of all these faces on Zoom and I'm thinking, wow, we we would have missed uh, missed out on all these guys. Um, yeah, that sounds incredibly rewarding. Can you give an example of one of those stories where you're like, wow, I'm so glad that this this person was able to make this turn and and uh, find this new path? Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, one of my favorite students in my class this year, um, she came from she's working right now she's working in healthcare research you know and she went to university studied healthcare and it um she's now doing i think data research in the healthcare industry she hates it and you know we've talked a lot about like in just one-on-one -on -one, we've talked about it um throughout the program but she's always felt like a creative you know but i think she comes from a family where th they're they don't necessarily understand uh, that creativity can be a job. So they, they pushed her into getting a quote unquote real job, you know? Yeah. She had to take a bit of a leap and she kind of had to explain it to her parents who weren't happy that she was uh, doing the course and, but she stuck at it. You know, she, the first couple of weeks you could see she was so far out of her comfort zone, you know? Um, because creativity for her had always been something that she'd kind of expressed on the side or felt like she could do, but really hadn't been part of a creative world. And then over the, the course, I just saw her kind of get better and better every week. She was like determined to kind of ask any, every question she could to, to make the work better. And yesterday she graduated as one of the honors students and she gave, um, she gave a little speech and she kind of talked directly to her parents who were watching. And she, she was kind of saying like, uh, I know you don't understand it, but it makes me happy, you know, and I'm good at it. So you just have to 
trust me. And I mean, I get emotional just like actually just thinking about it, but her story is exactly why the school exists, right? Because she was about to go down a path, go into a career that really wasn't fulfilling her, you know, and now she has a completely different, um, like path in front of her, which, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it, it's exactly like why we, why we're doing it. You know, um, there's another guy who, who he's working at a bank right now. He's in like a, in retail banking, you know, but he's, an, he's an illustrator. He's been drawing his whole life, but he had to go out and again, quote unquote, get a real job. So he's been working at a bank and he's again, become one of our honor students. So I think, you know, th- we have stories like that in every school. And again, I just go back to like, wow, like we could have missed these guys. We could have lost them, you know, and now the industry is going to benefit yeah. from having them. So, yeah, you're like unearthing all this hidden talent that didn't know it had this uh, opportunity in front of it. That's, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're doing something that's much bigger than advertising. I mean, you're giving people a, a different way forward in life, which is much bigger. So you just, you know, you just said you had the second graduation. So does the third session kick in right away? When does that start? And do you have, I mean, have, did you see much more people uh, applying for the second session than the first? Is it continuing to grow? And how many people are you able to accept for a third round? And do you have to push people off to a, a fourth uh, class later down the road? Or how's that working? So yeah, we, we are going straight back into it, basically. Applications for the full program. Uh, are open now so we run um, programs twice a year in spring and fall so yeah applications for fall are open and we're doing a kind of a drive to get people to apply Um, we're hoping that yeah we can get like as many people applying as possible because you know if they don't get in the first time they can apply again and we actually do offer uh, with the one club we offer uh, like a a mentorship program for the people who aren't successful as well Um, we pair them with a mentor in the industry who can then help them prepare basically for the next application window. So I think, you know, there aren't many programs or schools where even people who are unsuccessful get help, but um, that's something we want to do because we don't want to lose those people. We don't want them to think just because you got, you didn't get in in spring doesn't mean you're not, you know, cut out for for this industry like you just you just need to apply again and we've had people who didn't get in last time they applied again they got in this time so um yeah we're we're hoping that we we can really spread the word and get as many applicants as possible because for us we want we can only take 15 per class so we do have to be like really sure that those people are gonna put in the work and that they really want to do it you know and and for us having more applicants um, just helps us find those 15 that are going to um, really excel, you know, in the program and get the most out of it. Well, I love the fact too, that like you said, if if they don't get in, I mean, I've never heard of a school that would, would send you a rejection letter, but then still want to help you. Yeah. That's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, besides teaching, Oriel also makes stuff besides ads, as he also mentioned in his intro. So we'll talk about that after what else? Some ads. creative creative recruiters slowly sucking away your creative soul we get it 
Unspirited encounters to ghosting can leave you spooked. Before you give in and get that real estate license, why not bust out your proton pack of side projects and submit to the sideshow? Side projects are a great way to bust the sexism, racism, and other slimy-isms of the ad industry. Plus, you'll get seen by the same sets of eyes that judge it can to the one show without the pesky $1,300 fee. There's even a free social good category. Get seen with the only nonprofit that shows off your creativity outside the ad world. Get seen at The Sideshow. DJ, drop that Ghostbusters theme song we can't afford. Actually, don't. Please don't. Come see us at www.thesideshow.org. To get out in front, go through the side. Ghosts are everywhere, whether you believe in them or not. Every town has its local legends, and countless books, movies, and TV shows are haunted by their presence. But our obsessions with ghosts runs deeper than we know and is embedded in the very fabric of American history. In his new book, Chasing Ghosts, from Quirk Books, writer and historian Mark Hartsman dons the mantle of tour guide, taking readers on a fascinating journey through supernatural history, including the Fox Sisters and the rise of spiritualism, the supernatural obsessions of famous figures like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, famous haunted sites like the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia, and the LaLaurie House in New Orleans, and famous ghosts like the Bell Witch of Tennessee and the Greenbrier Ghost of West Virginia. Deeply researched and highly entertaining, with archival images and black and white illustrations, Chasing Ghosts will satisfy believers and skeptics alike. Available from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and independent booksellers everywhere. Corp Leisure is work from home wear and goods for the new normal. Sitting at the intersection of capitalism in your pajamas and designed for a workday where comfort is a KPI and your office is a couch. Corp Leisure offers elevated essentials like hoodies, sweatshirts, sweatpants, and tees with a corporate approved aesthetic. So as you reimagine your work-life balance, reimagine your work-life wardrobe and try Corp Leisure, the brand that always mixes business and leisure. We're back with Oriel Davis Lyons. So, Oriel, you've got another new venture you mentioned this earlier, Corp Leisure, inspired by, I'm sure, way too many Zoom meetings over the past year. What kind of sparked the idea? Obviously, the Zoom meetings, but was there a certain point where you were collecting jargon along the way, like, you know, just getting fed up with it? Or what was the thing that finally said, okay, I'm going to do something <laughs> with this? Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, I think I maybe over the year had been just thinking more and more about the the weirdness of like the language that we use at work right and when you're in the office you don't notice it as much because you're in the environment right and it's kind of like oh this is just how we talk when we're in we're in the office but like when you're at home and you're sitting in essentially glorified pajamas and you're having to talk uh talk business and and use all these kind of phrases that you just look around and I'm like, why, why are we talking like this? And I'm at home and it just <laughs> felt like a real disconnect that I hadn't noticed before. And I started kind of picking up on it. And then I think I must've started like capturing some of those phrases, not really, I didn't know what I was going to do with them. I, I was just like, let me start writing them down. Cause they're funny. Um, and they're kind of, they sound like a little bit insane uh, when I'm sat here in, in sweatpants all day. And then, um, you know, sometimes with an idea, it doesn't become clear until you have a name. And I think this, it, this was kind of a literal like shower thought, um, just the, the 
the name corplegia kind of popped into my head as you know it, it was like based off athleisure which is that kind of category of you know workout wear that you don't really work out in you but you go right. to whole foods in um and it just i think that was li literally just it popped into my head one day i'm not sure qu quite how but um i jotted that down and i was like oh that's funny i could you know what if i reimagined workwear for the work from home generation and essentially like yeah it started from there and it was really like there wasn't really much intention beyond just doing this thing as a little creative exercise on the side because when i announced it i was like you know this has been a very serious year it's been a very heavy year a lot of the conversations that i've been having have been pretty heavy and i just wanted to do something that was kind of stupid because i think it's important that you have both sides so it was really like let me just put it together and it's very, and keep it very simple. There's a website connected to another website that does the printing. And then, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny watching the reaction though and watching people submit all those phrases and start talking about kind of the weirdness of the American corporate vernacular, you know, um, I think that's been the funniest thing is, uh, the conversation it, it, it did start. Yeah. You know, it is a weird mix of, of the office and home, you're right, to be at home and start talking like all the jargon we use, you know, in the office. It is sort of a strange thing. <laughs> and and it is all just absurd. I, I saw um, on your site that you have a shirt that says you're on mute, um, but which is, you know, the, the phrase of the year, right? But the messages yeah. on all the different yeah. shirts and sweatshirts I saw offer these comments that might be really perfect if you are on mute. So, you know, you could just point to yourself, you know, and Tell people to circle back or that you, you <laughs> yeah. know, hard stop uh, whenever you need. So they're, they're functional. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that was kind of the point. It's like, uh, you know, sometimes you just don't have the energy to uh, like join the conversation and kind of do, give the performance. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, let me just do, let me do, let, let the yeah, clothes do exactly. the talking um, and take, take some of the weight off. Yeah. So when you, when you have like, if you're wearing one of these shirts on the meeting to, with new people, do you get like you, you mentioned it sparks conversation, but like what what kind of response do you get when you have someone new on the call and they see, you know, I don't have the bandwidth on your chest? <laughs> yeah, they, it's funny. They um, uh, I I wore it and I didn't really think about. I do have to think about the meetings <laughs> that I wear them to because you know some people are like they don't know that it's it's a joke or they've uh, not seen it before. And I was in a meeting the other day and they were like, "Oh, is that for us?" And I was like. Oh, oh! I forgot I was wearing it. But actually, it is quite appropriate for this meeting because um, I am slammed. But it, it, it always people always ask about it, and I then get to explain, and they generally find it funny um, because I think everyone recognizes how much we use of the language, and no one really likes yeah. it. You know, like no one talks like it outside to their friends. No one likes talking like it, but we all kind of use it with each other so it usually just like i don't know it for me it burst the bubble a little bit that corporate bubble which i personally like to do you know i don't feel 100 percent comfortable in really corporate settings you know i prefer to have more fun and it does it does that a little bit it just kind of maybe highlights some of the uh the ridiculousness of like why do we give this kind of performance when we show up at work when no one really 
likes to totally. do it anyway. Yeah, you know? I think it's I think that's a really good thing. <laughs> I think it's good to kind of poke a little fun at that. You know, and, and there's two things that come out of me. One of them is something you mentioned earlier about the work from home generation, and that's a phrase like I hadn't really thought about that way. I mean, for for us, it's been like, oh, we've had the work from home for the past year and a half, which is, you know, starting to get used to it and everything. But, you know, a little weird, right? But there's this feeling like, well, at some point, we'll go back a little bit. Maybe we'll keep doing this. But then you have younger people, the kids coming out of your your one school, for example. This is what they know. Like, they don't even know going into an office. And that's a weird thing to think about, that, they, that there's this whole generation of, of young employees, young creatives who who don't know going into an office and will they? <laughs> so this is just how they, how yeah. they dress. And, uh, you know, having corp leisure seems like a, a, you know, what else would there be, right? Like what other kind of dress would you have for the office? Well, yeah. And it's become their norm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And that, but that makes me think too, the other thing you mentioned about the fact that none of us, none of us like talking like this. And, you know, one thing that's been great about being a creative and advertising is we can dress pretty casual, at work for the most part, <laughs> um, you know, still dress nice ish, you know, nice, like not wearing like complete, you know, sweatpants or anything to work or anything like that. But, you know, we could be a bit casual. And I never understood people who had to go to work in a suit every day. And I do wonder, I'm sure that they're not mm-hmm. doing that working from home. So I do wonder how things will change when we go mm-hmm. back because we've all gotten used to working comfortably here at home, you know, t shirt, shorts, sweats, whatever it is. And it's fine. We don't have to put on this show for everybody that no one wants to, to put on anyway. So and I do wonder if uh, anyone's going to ever want to go back to that or if uh, corp leisure can just be the way, you know, the way of the future. I hope so. I mean, um, I, I think it's really interesting, like what's happening now. I feel like we won't know the moment we're in. I think we can recognize it, but I don't know if we, we're going to know how big this moment is. You know, you have to look back at you know, back at it in, you know, from the future almost. Because I think it's kind of like a bit of an industrial revolution type moment where that whole uh, pretense of, like you're saying, professionalism, right? Like we do work in suits and we do work in offices. And when we do work, we speak like this, you know, that whole like production, that kind of theatrical production is kind of being like broken down really over the last years, piece by piece, you know, the idea of then convincing someone who's done their job just fine like for the last year and a half from home in sweatpants that right time to go back into an office commute and put a shirt and tie on yeah like all day you know like that is who needs it like why like why would people yeah we've just proved that it can be done right and the longer we do it we're kind of finding out actually that it's better sometimes i think like yeah you you might miss that connection i think like i often miss the little conversations, right, that you have with people in passing, and and um, I miss that. But I also really cherish the way that actually work is not the only thing uh, in my life. It doesn't take the full like day from the time I leave the the house to the time I get home. I can actually structure my day around the things that are important, right? Like if I have a break, I'm going to go out into the garden and do some gardening or something like that. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting, like, especially the generation, you know, like the people who are graduating now and who are starting remotely, but building their lives around 
you know, they're working from home and, and the idea of going into an office for them is just going to feel like kind of foreign. And I think it's a good thing. I think um, it was probably long overdue and we just needed that, that nudge to, um, to make it yeah. happen. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Well, it's, it will be interesting to see how, how things uh, continue to evolve. Like I said, I, I'm starting to get yeah. really used to this uh, working from home. It was a little weird at first, but there's moments I miss. You know, sometimes it'd be nice to have a bunch of work up on the wall and look at things together and stand back and see a whole, you know, everything at once mm-hmm. um, versus Google Slides and yep. <laughs> PowerPoint decks yep. and all these online, <laughs> you know, Teams and Zooms and all these things. But, but you know, it, like I said, it's working well and it is letting us live differently in such a better way. So, Oriol, uh, this has been really great. Thank you so much for sharing all this. I think Corp Leisure is really fun. I think you're hit on so many truths that people can just, you know, smile and kind of laugh at, at uh, all of our advertising nonsense. And one school is is amazing. You're giving people such incredible opportunities. And that's that's really a wonderful thing and, and a meaningful thing that I know will make a huge difference down the line. So thank you for all that you do. And, and thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Thank you, Mark. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Besides Ads, and thank you, Oriel Davis-Lyons. You can see his work at orieldavislyons.com or follow him on LinkedIn. And if you're interested in applying for the One School or learning more about it, check out oneschoolus.com. Shop Corp Leisure at corpleisure.com. Besides Ads is brought to you by me, Mark Hartsman. You can see my work at markhartsman.com or follow me on LinkedIn. The theme song was written by Steffi Copeland, an ACD copywriter. See her work at stefficopeland.com. The logo was designed by Rich Wallace, a GCD art director whose work can be seen at richwallace.myportfolio.com. And editing and mixing was done by James Archer. If you like Besides Ads, tell your friends about it. Share it on social, make a TV campaign. You guys know what to do. You're ad people. And if you want to run an ad, visit besidesads.com for details. We also happily accept donations. Until next time, go make something.